Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm so excited to be bringing you guys our first live show. I'm presenting it without any editing. I've never done that before. I always tweak the episodes at least a little bit before I put them out there. So I hope this gives you a cool glimpse into what a raw episode is like. And actually, the topic that we went into this live recording with isn't really the one that we stuck to all the way through. And that's another little peek behind the curtain at podcasting. A lot of times I do go into my recordings with a topic in mind, which my guest has had time to think about and I've had time to think about, and then we come in and have a conversation about it. But often what happens is those conversations take a turn that I I wasn't necessarily expecting. And the way I do things, my interview style, is I let it go. I want to see where this journey takes us. And this was definitely an episode like that. So we went in there with the goal of talking about the American dream, if it's easier in Germany these days. And yeah, you'll see where we go with it. (laughs) I do want to take this time to give some thank yous and shout outs because there's so many to give, I would not be able to cover it in the time that I have in the outro. So (laughs) this event that I just did was something I thought of months ago. And as a lot of my ideas started, I kind of was too shy to say anything about it, nervous it wouldn't happen. But I told one friend, and that one friend encouraged me. Um, So shout out to my friend Ashley. (laughs) And also thank you to everyone at the Carl Schutz House, because they're the next place I went. I said, hey, I've got this idea for an event. What do you guys think? And they were so supportive and helpful. Renee, who hosted the panel part of the event. So little context here. The event was a couple minutes of a crash course about podcasting, then a panel discussion between me and another local Freiburg podcast about what is a podcast, why do you make it, how do you make it, all of these sorts of good things. Renee was our host for that panel and he did such a good job taking that conversation in so many interesting directions. So thank you to you, Renee. Thank you to that other local Freiburg podcast. They're called Jung und Freudlos. I'll link to them in the show notes. They make an awesome podcast about mental health issues. Another cool thing about them is when I mentioned, hey, by the way, this event is going to be in English, (laughs) they went with it. (laughs) Even though none of them felt totally confident in their English, they gave it a shot and it was, they, they did fantastic. It was so cool to see them go from, you know, nervous backstage to just nailing it. Pretty damn impressive. So congrats to them. <laughs> Finally, I also want to thank the people that came out to the show. So we had about 40 to 50 people show up and some of those are friends of mine. And it, it just means the world to me when people I care about show up to stuff that I care about. So I was really just bursting with joy when I kept seeing familiar faces pop in. And I also got to meet a new friend. So an Instagram friend became a real life friend. That was also really cool. Just a huge shout out and thank you to all the wonderful people here in Freiburg. All right, as you may have caught on, I'm standing outside to record this intro. Hence the wind, hence... Can you hear that? The crunchy leaves beneath my feet. (laughs) I need to get back inside. You guys need to listen to this episode. So enjoy! James, James Tudor. I'm from Long Beach, California. Uh, now live in Freiburg, Germany, and I've been here now for six years. Though I understand this is not your first go at Freiburg. 
This is somewhat true. I mean, it, we've been visiting back and forth. I've been coming to Freiburg since 93, but I've never really officially lived here, unmailed it here. So this was, uh, this was our first time where we actually moved everything and moved here. I would stay here for like maybe five months at a time, four months at a time, but it was the first time actually living here. Cool. Okay, so how did this all start? What made you start visiting in 1993? Uh, started visiting, my younger sister had a... Um, a German program, like a, she took a German class, and they had a German foreign exchange student, and me and him became friends. And then once we became friends, they invited me over. They, they came, him and another friend came over the next summer, and we ended up having this like really epic summer in California. It was, we went to San Francisco, went out to the desert, and just doing stuff that, you know, 18-year-olds started <laughs> to do. And uh, we were having a lot of fun, and they invited me out the next year to Germany. And then... That's where I met a bunch of their friends, and one of them happens to be Katya, and that's my wife, and that's why we ended up moving back to Freiburg, and that's why I would start visiting Freiburg at some point. We started dating. So I'd see my friends, and then I was dating with her, and then, uh, yeah, and I was, always in, I was always in Freiburg since probably 93, at least one time, one time a year. Wow. Yeah. So. How long did you guys have a long-distance relationship? That's intense. That's a good question. Uh, we were dating. We dated pretty seriously for, I'm going to say four or five, four years, I think it was, four or five years, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And then she started doing her studies in Gran Canaria, and we kind of, we, we everything was fine. We, we kind of just stayed as friends, and then at some point, we got back together, and she moved to California, and then we, we decided if we were going to do this, we'd have to do it for for good and then she stayed we got married and we were in california for 10 years and then we moved over here six years ago okay wow and i understand you have kids yep we have two two kids two girls uh they're now 11 and the uh, she'll be soon 14 so okay cool so they were both born in the states in the states and most so far, mostly grew up there. Now that's kind of that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of changing, but also those obviously those years of making friends and stuff. That's more here than there, but that's it's a, it's a lot different than when I was a kid because they keep in contact. So my oldest daughter went, I think, through the first grade in Long Beach, and the the younger one was just in preschool. But they made friends and neighbors and stuff, and we keep in contact with those people, and they're able to keep in contact with those people with uh, FaceTime, with Instagram, and all these stuff. So they kind of don't miss any of the parts of the lives of these old friends. So anytime we go back, they all know each other still, so they still go back. So it's a, it's a lot different than when I was a kid. If I moved away, I disappeared. Bye. <laughs> Forever, maybe. Yeah, so. Okay, so this is interesting. So the topic that we're going to dive into in this episode is the American dream. More viable in Germany, question mark? And I always say it in this funny voice. Um, so <laughs> to me, your story, we're going to come later to your business, but one part of the American dream is, you know, having a family and, and having a good family life. So do you want to yeah. talk us through um, what those decisions were like? Why did you guys decide to start a family in America? And how was it? Oh, well, we decided to have a family. We just always wanted to have a family. And we started in America because we were in America. But even before we had kids, we had always thought about possibly moving to Europe, moving to Germany in particular, just because we had that kind of opportunity. And then obviously when we had the kids, we had to think about where you want to grow, where the kids, where you want the kids to grow up and what kind of experiences they can have. And so I have my experiences, my wife has her experiences here in Germany. And uh, we always just thought about it, but 
as the kids started to get older, it seemed less and less likely that it would probably happen because I figured the kids would get closer friends and it'd be one of those things where they would be, I don't know if alienated is the right word, but it would be difficult for, to, to pull them out of school. And my wife ended up having an opportunity through her job to basically have a satellite office, which was the plan through her, her at her work in Europe. And um, <clears throat> so we kind of up and moved the kids. We always had this idea of moving to Europe, but it was never really concrete. And once this idea really kind of got hold and, the, and her job said, yeah, we can do this, uh, three months later, we were living here. So it was kind of a quick turnaround as soon as we moved here. We sold the cars, we sold all the stuff we had. We packed up two small pallets and we shipped them over and then we showed up with 10 suitcases and <laughs> we were living in Germany. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so, but I feel like I'm missing a little bit of context between, you said, you know, I think once they're starting to build roots sort of in America, it would yeah. be hard to move to Germany. So what changed? Was it just the upper job opportunity? No, no, yeah, the job opportunity. Just, I mean, uh, I was afraid that after every year would go by, that it w would become harder and harder. Ah, okay. They were basically at the ages where it was still fine. And they visited Freiburg quite often. So them coming to Freiburg wasn't odd. Their, their um, grandparents live here. Their uncles live here. They have friends here. So um, coming here, they, they've been coming here since they were, each of them were probably like in their six months old or something. I think we had them each on the, on the plane. Um, so them coming here wasn't odd. And then it was just my idea that if they got too old, it would be probably too late. And mm -hmm. so I, I was thinking that the, the oldest one was maybe hitting that age, but she was totally stoked on leaving. She's like, yeah, let's go live in Germany. I'm like, all right. Then little did she know, she didn't really realize what that meant. But <laughs> now she's like, I left Hollywood for Germany. What is this? <laughs> well, that's also an interesting thing, right? I feel like when people find out I'm American, they're like, where are you from? They want me to answer either California and preferably Southern California or Texas, because these are the states that they're really like, wow, what a state, you know? Yeah. And so that you were from Southern California, this, oh, yeah. this idea of just you know, sort of a perfect weather year-round, this this ideal lifestyle. Um, then to come to Freiburg, to me, I get it. Like, Freiburg's great. But some people <laughs> no, 90, would then ask 99% of the people, everybody, it's the question I get asked the most, <laughs> why did you move here? So what's your <laughs> elevator pitch answer? Uh, I just said we just always wanted to move here. I mean, I, I really enjoy it, but I've spent... When you grew up somewhere, it's also not so exotic. I mean, it's my wife misses it, misses California more than I do, probably. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I personally really like it here. It is kind of funny walking through Freiburg because it feels like walking through Disneyland. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I love the weather changes. I love all. I love the kind of the size of the town. I love the, the nature that's around here. So all these things are very foreign to me. They're they're very special. I think so. And to what extent did the sort of social structures and the support that families get um, play into which country you wanted to live in? Like, did you have any discussions about the school systems or um, maternity leave? You know, when, when you were having kids in the U.S., if that was a challenge, did any of that in, play in? In the States or you mean when moving here in Germany, living here in Germany? With, with both, yeah. Uh, in in the States, it's really difficult to have child care. To, we, I worked as a, as a, um, a photographer and a, a digital tech, so I was self-employed. I worked very sporadic hours. I'd be home some days. I'd be home for weeks or a week in a row, and then I'd be gone for two weeks or a few days, or I'd be traveling. My wife would be doing more or less. This. She worked mostly from home at that time. All right. Um, 
and but she would do her jobs and the job she would have to travel for these jobs so she would travel as well but so our schedules we'd have to kind of work it out with the kids and that meant that we needed some sort of daycare and then that was very expensive mm -hmm. so um, that was a a negative thing that was in the states that we constantly had to deal with and worry about uh, moving here we thought about just we really had the opportunity to move anywhere we wanted to but we picked Freiburg because of the family support and that the fact that I knew this place, I kind of knew German at the time, and uh, my kids spoke German, they knew Freiburg, so it made sense to move to Freiburg. And then, yeah, I mean, as far as uh, the kids going to kindergarten and all these kinds of things, uh, it, it didn't cost us anything extra. So that, that, that was a, an added benefit that, that we got, or that we noticed compared to the States. It sounds like for you guys it was more of a personal choice where you guys were in your life than based on these structures those were just correct side yeah effects. correct yeah i mean we're you know, there's going to be bad things and good things in both places and um we you know we we thought about moving to spain or something like this because my wife really would like to go to spain but realist logically that didn't make any sense the kids didn't speak spanish i didn't speak any spanish and it would have just been a, a, a really big headache for all of us so uh, we put, chose Freiburg, which was the easiest. And, and school-wise and everything, that's all worked out quite well. And they went to normal schools. They spoke German. They understood German. And so they're, they, were, they were ready to go on day one, more or less. Yeah. yeah. So this other part of the American dream for a lot of people is um, having your own, being your own boss, having your own um, enterprise to some extent. And rumor has it, You've got a little company. <laughs> yeah, little, yeah, we have a little one. Um, yeah, I, I brew beer now, which was not my initial plan while, to, when I moved here. Um, but I was a very avid home brewer, and I met some other home brewers here. And we started up a small company. And um, basically, we brew beer. And at the time, for, yeah, in 2014, we started. Um, there was no craft beer, IPAs, this type of thing here. And so we partnered up with a with another brewery and we brew our beer at their facility and we're able to to push that beer out having said that uh, the entrepreneur thing in my opinion is probably a lot easier in the states than it is to do it here because um it's uh there's a the mentality of, of doing something on your own is it's not really the same here as it is in the states in the states like oh, yeah you want to do it sure just do it and go for it and here it's like but why would you do that? <laughs> um, have you have you gotten your like Braumeister or whatever, whatever? No, How often I, do you get asked that? No, yeah, yeah, I do get asked that. No, I don't. I didn't go to school and get my Braumeister. They don't love it when you try to do stuff you didn't go to school for. This is true. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to have that anymore. The problem would be is if I wanted to get hired by a, a bigger brewery or something, then they wouldn't hire me because they would want a a uh, a brewmaster. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. What's so interesting about you and your story is like these, uh, yeah, starting a small business is, I would agree, way easier in America, way more expected in a way. It's not yeah. expected of everyone, but it's way more accepted and... A lot more tax breaks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and from what I understand, a little bit less, um, maybe the bureaucracy is worse, both bad both places, but I think, you know, in Germany, you just, it's a lot of hoops to jump through because you're not following 
a path, right? They like yeah. they prefer to be on a path. Yeah, hundred percent. The biggest problem that not the biggest problem, a big problem that we've noticed is every anytime if if, some, if if you know you have a square problem and they only have a round hole as the answer, then there's no way of fixing it. It's really if you're if you're looking for a number, that, you know, some sort of form, and you have to fit in this number. You know, some sort of number. 220 is financing and 221 is cooking, and you don't fit in either of these ones. We're like, well, we don't know where to put you. And you know what I mean? Like this yeah. kind, kind of things. And it, it really boggles their minds. Like, well, then you can't <laughs> exist. And it's like, well, of course I can. What do you mean? Yeah, we, we, can, we can change it. We can change it. <laughs> so, yeah. It's not exactly the mentality. And also to be doing this with beer, with craft beer, I imagine there was a lot of pushback against that as well. Uh, actually, that in itself was actually a lot easier than it would be in the States. In the States, beer is way more regulated, and the idea of holding beer and brewing beer and, and labeling beer is way more, um, rest- I don't know if restricted is quite the right word, but it's definitely more regulated than it is here. So since we were already producing the beer at a, a, a established facility, we didn't have those hoops to jump through. Now, if we want we wanted to open up our own brewery, then we have these hoops to jump through. But um, since that kind of facility already, that, that groundwork was already there, we just came up with a recipe, brewed the beer, and, uh, and we can just make our company and just sell the beer that way. So we didn't need any extra things, which I don't think you'd be able to do in the States. Huh. How did the people react to it at first? Like uh, the, uh, the, the, the folk at large. <laughs> um, the first year I did it was, like I said, it was in 2014. And our first beer that we had was an IPA. It's a relatively fruity IPA because of the different hop, the, the, the variety of hops that we use in it. And it's relatively well balanced. Um, and we were astonished at how well it was received. It was during the 2014 was the World Cup. And so we had a we were at a. Um, one of the coffee places and we were doing a, you know, at a, a public viewing, I think it was the Germany American game. And so um, we had our beer out there and we were really surprised at how well it was received by every, every spectrum, young, old, male, female, it didn't really matter. And, but all the questions that we got were, well, what fruit did you put in this beer? <laughs> and nobody understood that it was the hops. Like it literally blew people's minds that, that the hops could have this different types of flavors in it. So. That was uh, something that was kind of like being back in the States in the late 90s or something like this, but, but <laughs> when you had to have, the, have these types of discussions. So that was very interesting, and it made me really, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very positive experience selling this beer, and then it was a very fun experience having these discussions with a lot of different people. It seems like also a kind of cool way to bring your American culture with you in a sense. Like beer, obviously you think of, of Germany, but beer so regulated here it's it's very specific it's very different based on the regions but craft beer isn't what people are talking about when they talk about german beer exactly yeah so far right yeah, yeah, yeah. and so i think it's neat that you um sought intentionally or not that you sought out something that really kind of brought these two worlds together a hundred percent i mean like i said we were we were trying to basically put a product product on the market that didn't exist here at the time but you know, coming from California, it's, it's, they've got a gajillion craft breweries and it's, it's, you know, what was one of the most popular things at the time and, and still is concerning the different types of beer. And, um, I saw no, um, I didn't see why that would be different here with all the tourists, with the students, with this, the kind of area that this is. Um, and luckily it worked out for us in that way. Um, but yeah, we, it's kind of how Germany brought beer to the States and the, whenever that was, pre-prohibition and then at some point we're kind of bringing it back over here as well so (laughs) it's kind of a funny funny uh, scenario 
So the other things that people think of with the American dream would be property, right? Like owning yeah, two-car garage, house with a white picket fence, your own cars and all of this. Um, is that something you have in Germany or is that something you sought out or wanted? That is something we definitely don't have here in Germany. Um, <laughs> getting a, a place to live here has been an ex- – that's been probably one of the biggest surprises. That, that was the biggest challenge that was a surprise. Um, when we first moved here, we got a sufficient meter, um, a, a temporary house for a year, and uh, it was furnished. The people were moving to France for the year, and it was going to be where you know like the kids would go to school around the corner. And I told my wife, I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine. We'll talk to the parents. We'll meet some people. We'll find a we'll find a, t- a permanent place to live. Little did I know, after the tenth or twelfth person that I asked, I'm, and I would say, yeah, you know, they, oh, you move here. Oh, you live around the corner. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, just to let you know, we have to move in a year. And if you know of anything, or if there's an apartment or a house, you know, we'd just really like, you know. And they're like, oh yeah, we're looking. <laughs> we're looking as well. And everybody we met already was already living in too small of a place for their families, and they were looking for property. And to try to find a place here to rent, buying, I think buying is just as hard as well. It's it's insane. I never would have expected. It's been six years, and we finally, literally last month, just last month, found a place where we don't have to leave. Wow. So yeah, it took us a while. So it's uh, definitely different, but I, I would like to have some property, but at, at, as of now, it's not happening. So, so it's still rental? It's still rental, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what's standard here. It's I don't feel like most people have this um, impulse to, to buy the way that, you know, I'm 27 and I talk to my friends back in the States and that's on their radar. That's the thing that they're yeah, working yeah, yeah, towards in the next couple of days or a couple of years rather. Yeah. Um, cause that's what you do. Um, and it's, it is weird when you're looking around here, like, Oh, that's not even a thing. It's literally yeah, just finding yeah. an apartment you're allowed to live in. <laughs> you don't see any for sale signs and you don't see any for rent signs. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? So I sort of ran us through the more stereotypical like American dream things and these are things that you've to varying extents um, carried out in in Germany Um, what would you say would have been or is your American dream oh that's a good question Uh, yeah just to have a nice place where the kids are happy and where everybody's healthy and then as long as you're living in a nice area nice neighborhood Owning property is not necessarily on the top of my 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 agenda. I would, I would like to have a house that would be preferred instead of an apartment. Um, but other than that, I mean, we're really happy where we're at right now. And yeah, it's more more to do with making sure the kids are fine. And if we're good, then 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 we are living the American dream. So that's pretty much it. So do you think that? Let me first ask: Is your choice to live? in Freiburg slash in Germany, um, permanent for you guys? As a, yeah, there's no plan on moving back. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that you could have the same life that you've, that you've built for yourselves here back in the States at this point? More, uh, quite possibly, yeah. I mean, where we were in the States as well was also a very nice place. So, because even Southern California, it's quite big, and everybody thinks of it as all nice, and realistically, it's not all very nice. Um, but there are very varying areas that are, are very nice, and we happen to be in, we were in one of them. So we could have done something more or less similar and stayed where we were, which was kind of the biggest gamble from my side, why we were upping and leaving, because... 
you know, if we had to move out of the house or if somebody lost a job or something like this, then it's like, okay, we have to move and we'll make the best of it or we'll find something good. But to actually kind of just get rid of everything that was really already kind of great and then to go find something new, this was, this was kind of, this was the scariest thing for me and probably my wife as well. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like for you too, you had your own business to whatever extent you were freelancing yeah, yeah, as a yeah, photographer, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. you had a somewhat similar career and that it was something that you'd built 100 percent, yeah yeah i mean that career started yeah it started from work you know high school and then some college and then working at a professional photo shop and running that shop and then between doing all that all the people that i met in my life that kind of like accumulated to that moment and so um that was definitely something different which i don't have here i've been very lucky to have the good friends i have here and i'm very lucky to have met the good people that i've met here as well um, and so I have a lot, of, I'm surrounded by a lot of awesome people here as well. So that's very helpful. I mean, if I was in the middle of Germany in some town that just pick a name that doesn't have much, like your, your fear of the village and by the Bodensee or whatever, this might be a quite different thing. But where we are here, where the, where the brewery I work at is, is insane. Um, and to be able to have here, we have our, we have a warehouse space here that we're really kind of working on and doing stuff with here in Freiburg. So we're quite busy and we're very I would say kind of lucky. And then to be at this kind of like three, this um, dryic area of these three different countries, having Switzerland 30 minutes away and France 30 minutes away, it's quite awesome. Yeah, it's not too bad. I feel like that's the kind of thing as an American, it never gets old. Uh, you know, and I grew up in Pennsylvania, so, you know, you could also argue, oh, Delaware, New Jersey, New York, yeah. they were all right there. It's the same thing. Like, sorry, it's it's not. Yeah, it's yeah, way yeah, cooler it's, it's that way, Switzerland way, and France are nearby. definitely pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I think it is interesting, though. I talked to a lot of, when I talk to Freiburgers um, about choosing to live here, especially for people in, in situations like yours where you did have a really good life in a really desirable area, um, this, you know, why give it up and move here question. Um, sometimes I think that the people from here don't see all the benefits to it and they might imagine, you know, for them it might feel maybe smaller, um, not as sophisticated as a city like Berlin, but to me at least as a foreigner, I find there, there is a lot of stuff that makes it easier to be here and you know that you are able to find your community and you're finding this great yeah. brewery and that you can just kind of fit into um even like the the different hoops you have to jump through for your bureaucracy for bureaucracy and all that um gets you to a point where there are services available to you yeah. and um to me it's really great i mean i can't tell you how many times i've, I've heard a german complain about their health care or like their maternity leave and i'm like Sorry, guys. <laughs> pump your brakes. Um, and then I tell them about America and they look at me like I'm from like this crazy, impoverished country. Yeah, it's, and then, it's quite different and quite insane, the, the differences in that regard. Yeah, and I think there it gets, sometimes I get to a point where I'm like, I don't even know what to say about this. It's just very confusing. But um, that's all to say, Germany and, and Freiburg do have do have a lot and especially in Freiburg for such a small place it, it does have a lot and it's it is really cool to hear um that you know this amazing life that you had in Southern California it's not the same life you have here but it's sounds just about as good it's right just, uh, I mean for me I'm just as happy yeah and I mean it's the area I mean the area you got the black forest behind us you got it's insane it's really really nice and I I'm heard your wife speak at an event once and I believe she she has a more like uh, standard company pathway. She doesn't have her own company or anything like that. She Cor works for Correct. She works for the same company that's in LA. It's a, an event, 
she basically does event management or event planning for mostly medical groups. So if Pfizer or somebody has some sort of new drug and they need to introduce it to the doctors and whatever, she is the one that coordinates which hotel, which country, which how to get all the doctors there. And it's, it's all very top tier type stuff. Um, and so she still works for that same company. The, the idea of her moving here was to have a satellite office so she could be on real time with Middle Eastern countries or with European uh, uh, clients um, instead of dealing with the, the nine or six hour time difference. That's interesting. And it's, it is an American company. It's an American company. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how they did it. That's why I also didn't believe we were going to move here. <laughs> this is actually kind of, this is how I found out we were moving. So, because my wife kept on telling me, yeah, it looks like they're going to, you know, op- help us out and do this thing. And we're just, they're just trying to figure out the tax. They're going to pay me in euros. And I hear the word tax. I'm like, they're not going to do this. What company is going to do this and help you figure out how to do this? It's just way too complicated. And we were at some wedding from... At, uh, from one of the uh, employees, I don't even remember who it was, and the CEO came up to me, and he came up and, or came up and shook my hand. He's like, "Oh, I'm so happy!" And uh, this thing you were doing in Europe, this is going to be amazing, and I'm so stoked. And then the CFO came up and then said the exact same thing. Like three <laughs> minutes later, I'm like, I looked at my wife. I go, "We're moving to Germany," and she's like, "Yeah, we're moving to Germany." <laughs> and within a week, I think we bought the plane tickets, and then we just started selling everything. And three months later, it was oh. it was gone. So we were gone. Uh-huh. So. Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah, it seems like this like abstract idea that could never possibly be true. A hundred percent. I remember sitting there in, in, in my office in my house and we would talk about it. I'm like, we're not, we're, it's not going to happen. We're not moving. Because like, you know, my wife and her friends, we were talking about it. Like, oh, it'd be great if we lived in Europe and the kids could grow up in Europe. I'm like, I just don't see it. How are we going to do this? This doesn't make any sense. And then when I talked to those two people, I'm like, all right, I guess we're buying plane tickets. Yeah. <laughs> and we literally bought plane tickets the next day. I think within four weeks, we sold our cars. We've, or maybe we found a house in four or five weeks, and then we sold the car, whatever it was. And um, boom, 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 boom. We ordered the, the pallets to be shipped, and yeah, three months later, we were here. So Wow. Yeah, it was that was kind of crazy. And then, yeah, then the funniest thing is, so then I met the, the, the brewers, or the, the home brewers that, I, that became part of my company, or our company. Um, they, I, I was trying to find if home brewing was even legal in, in Germany. I knew it was, but I just wanted to see maybe if there wasn't something. And the only thing I could find online was a video from the Badische Zeitung uh, and the Carl Schulz House. Um, they put on, they, they host the election, the American election, every four years. So if you want to watch it, you can watch it. So the second Obama term, they served beer that was homebrewed because there was, a, there was an event that happened where the chef for Obama was a homebrewer and they served the beer and it became this thing. So, so they served this beer for the thing. And because of that, I got the name of one of my partners. And then I texted or emailed him, Googled him, Facebooked him, something. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. We, you know, there's not much going on here, but we homebrew and we'd love to meet you. So when you get here, let us know. Two months later, three months later, I, I, I'm like, hey, I'll be there Friday or Thursday. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, perfect. And then he texted me while I was at the airport on my connecting flight. He's like, hey, we're going to have a meeting tomorrow if you want to come. I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> And then, uh, then I get home and I'm, or get to my, my in-laws house and I'm jet lagged and my kids are there and everybody's tired. I'm like, am I really going to meet these strangers? And I don't know, I'm going to do this. And how am I going to get there? There's no cars and I don't know nothing. And they text me back and they're like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Their train goes right through Gundelfing. Just, we'll pick, we'll just wait on the, at the Gleis and we'll pick you up at 6.15, bring some beer and a sleeping bag. And I'm like, all right, so (laughs) this is how this is going to go. And. We ended up having a really good night, and then obviously we, we stayed friends and made a company. So Did yeah, you have a good. sleepover? 
I slept in the grass, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, we just, we had a beer bank outside, and yeah, we, I don't know, there was maybe, I can't remember, 10 or 12 people maybe, and uh, yeah, and basically it was just so we wouldn't have to worry about catching the train back, so, so somebody <laughs> pitched a tent in one area of the yard this way, and I just, I woke up in the morning, and I'm just staring at all these buildings, and I'm like, what am I doing here? This is weird. <laughs> what a way to start your life. Yeah. Exactly as you imagined. Exactly. You know? <laughs> it's exactly how I imagined. My wife thought it was so funny. She's like, yeah, just leave it to James to immediately find a bunch of dudes that are going to go drink beer in the middle of the, the forest. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, weirdly enough, as much as we were saying at the beginning that this entrepreneurial spirit isn't necessarily that understood here, um, the spontaneous letting things just happen um, attitude is also not that natural for some people. But when you come in with that attitude, it can sometimes work. Sometimes it really can't. But right. you can find a way to make it work. And it really, you find these little holes of life where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, working as a photographer for uh, and a digital tech for however long that was, 10, 15, 10 12 years, um, I've been basically employed and unemployed off and on for 10 or 12 years because as soon as the job ends, you're unemployed. And then you have to find a job because you're self-employed. So the the idea of not working or working. So if I had maybe a normal nine to five job that entire time, maybe my attitude would have been a little bit different. But I had no, I was constantly working and then not working. So that was kind of a normal lifestyle for me. So working a nine to five job is not really my cup of tea. Seems like it. Yeah. Seems like it somehow shows. <laughs> well, and to bring it to today, you know, your your kids are six years older than they were when they moved here. Yep. You've got this company that, from my perspective, seems to be thriving. I mean, if someone who moved here two years ago, um, Brow Collective was something that I was pretty early on made aware of. Yep. And in such a positive way, it was like a staple in, in the Freiburg beer scene. And um, so it seems to me like you're a success story. You're doing great. Is it I, true? It's definitely not a failure story. Not, a, not, not yet anyways. No, yeah, it's, it's been really good. So yeah, the company's going great and the kids are doing fine and they're doing their schoolwork and, you know, causing trouble, but they're, everything's, everything's really good. And then the, the best thing about it right now is this new, new place that we found that we finally kind of, because for the past six years, you didn't really know where we we're going to live and we didn't know when we'd have to move out or not move out. It was kind of always, you couldn't really call it home. You know what I mean? And so now we have a home. So if you want to buy a shelf or whatever for the house, we have a, we have it. So it, it definitely feels like we've kind of finally arrived. Yeah, I mean, this whole, um, to throw it back to this idea of American Dream buying property, I think one of the benefits is you can, you know, sort of customize your house in these ways and do little projects because totally. you know you're going to be there. And that does, I do miss that sometimes in, in Germany when it yeah. does feel a little bit more like you could move apartments at any moment. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you don't want to get the the L-shaped sofa that has a sticky out bit on the one end because in your other apartment, it might end up that the sticky out <laughs> bit doesn't pass, like doesn't work in that space. Uh, and um, I bet it's a huge relief to know. Yeah, yeah know? it's definitely a huge relief. The other <laughs> funny thing about moving is the whole idea of you have to move your kitchen in and out. That's like, Oh, no, that's did you have to do that? No, no, no. We, we bought that kitchen that came in there, which was great. But I'm just that idea because that's not a normal American yeah. thing to do with. So to tear out your kitchen and then have to buy a new kitchen. It just, it was so, it was such a bizarre thing to me. I gotta say, I heard a rumor that like Europeans generally did this. 
And I thought, I assumed it was like not a real thing. I was like, no way, that's nuts. That makes no sense. I'm going to Germany where the pragmatic people are. They wouldn't possibly deconstruct and rebuild kitchens every time they move. (laughs) No. Every two weeks you see a a stove or a refrigerator up by the dry sun somewhere for spare move. (laughs) And somehow it's still a thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So. Yeah. But, okay, so with this we are going to round... (laughs) Around the corner and head to home with our ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. Oh, my goodness. It is a rapid-fire question round. I'm going to ask you three questions that you're going to answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with oh your gut. goodness. You ready? No. Run away? This is your chance. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. What is your favorite drink in um, Habst, um, in fall, um, beer or otherwise? Beer. <laughs> Any specific? Oh, beer? Nah, no, but yeah, I mean, no. You don't beer. beer any. You don't brew any pumpkin spice beer for fall. Generally, fall generally speaking, no. But we have a home brewer group, and the the beer of the month is a pumpkin spice. So technically, I am actually brewing a pumpkin beer this week, but uh, that's only for this for this home brewing group. But no, uh, no. I drink I drink all beer, so it really matters. A Pilsner's awesome, an IPA is better sometimes, a stout's even great, so I don't know. Well this transitions beer. me well well to the question number two, which is trying to make you some enemies in this room tonight. What's your least favorite German beer? Trash talk it, go. Trash talk. I'm kidding. Just you you don't have to. Uh yeah, just 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 ones that aren't really well made. Like any ones that are kind of cheaply stored in the in the store. I mean, they're just not very good made pilsners. But I mean, most pilsners here. I mean, I wouldn't say anything's. I don't have anything that I say is absolutely horrible. You know, there's nothing. It's, it's fine. I mean, all the the breweries around here, most of the beers that are sold in most of the stores here. If you go to Lidl or something like that, maybe these 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 smaller beers aren't the best. But I don't buy them, so I, I wouldn't. I, would, I could trash talk them, but I've never actually drank them, so I have oh, no man. idea. Yeah, Lidl has these canned. Um, craft beers now. Yeah. Yeah, you probably hate those. I actually haven't had them. I have. I, I do know of them because it became a thing through the craft beer, whatever commentaries and whatnot. And I actually know one of the brewers that brews that beer. So. Oh, you can't trash talk. I can't then. trash talk, right. but I haven't had them, so I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Fair. Fair. Okay. All right, and I believe I was told at one point that after this there might be um, beer to enjoy, um, and that it would be from your. Collective. If that, that is true, is that true? I don't know. I think it might not be true anymore. We're going to pretend it's true. If it is true, what specific beer of yours would you recommend to the good old folks in the room? The freshest one. <laughs> uh, yeah, freshest, freshest one. But right now, I'd say Dolly or Jacques. But Dolly, if if Dolly's still there, it's not sold out at my place. But if there was Dolly back here, that was still. The newest batch than that one for sure. Okay, and if it's not available here tonight, then they can find it in stores throughout Freiburg. Through, stores throughout Freiburg, yeah. Etikas have them all, but obviously the two craft beer stores, Craft Beer Lodge and uh, Beer Handlung. Gosh, because that's um, the thing now. They have two craft beer stores in yeah, Freiburg. Yeah. Look that's, at it go. It's insane. Yeah, I remember I used to go into the wine shop hoping that I could find, because I like sour beers as well, which is a Belgian specialty. And um, I'm like, maybe at the wine shop, you know, by the camera store, by the, wherever that, where there's a wine shop on the corner somewhere. Yeah. Uh, no, no beers. But now, yeah, now we have two crap beer shops. What's the beer called? What's that? What is the name of your brand? Brow Collective. This is perfect. This is the, ta- the time in the podcast where you get to pitch your stuff. So tell us what your beer is called, where people can find you and the company. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, Brow Collective is the name of the company. Could you, could you Brow Collective, like a collective, but in German you say Kollektiv. Brow Collective. Brow Collective, yeah. 
Crow Collective. And uh, yeah, different beers that we have are different, mostly IPAs and uh, hoppier side beers. We do have our beer over at uh, Oscar Wilde's now also on tap. That's a beer that we brewed pretty much specifically for them. Um, it's a Irish red ale. Uh, yeah, and then handful of bars here. We ship our beers all over to all the different craft beer outlets as well throughout Germany and different parts of Europe. And every once in a while, Japan gets a couple pallets. Huh. Um, and yeah, then all that stuff, Facebook, Instagram, websites, browcollective.com, all that good stuff. It's all Brow Collective. Awesome. I'll link to all of all of what I can find of it on um, the show notes of this episode. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming and talking and in front of people. Usually I don't have to thank my guests for that part because it's way more just us alone in the basement. But thanks for braving these scary, scary people before yeah, us. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> thank you. It was awesome. And that's it. All right. <laughs> huge, huge thank you to my guest, James. He was the perfect guest for this episode. And believe it or not, we'd never met. We met like 15 minutes before the event and he was just totally laid back and ready to just see where the night took us. So thank you to James for taking a leap of faith and coming on the podcast of a stranger in front of a bunch of other strangers. By the way, I did go to the Irish pub that he mentioned and I tried his uh, Irish red ale. It's super good. All of his beers are really great, but this is probably my new favorite. If you liked this episode, if you like the show, go ahead and hit subscribe. And while you're at it, leave us a rating and a review. That's really the number one thing that you can do to help me out. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at The ExpatCast or shoot us an email at TheExpatCast at gmail.com. Next week on the show, we dive into what it is like to be an expat in your 20s. Until then, have a great week. Cheers.